Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky and this week I am joined with Chris Apple. Hey everyone. And Brett Freeman. Hi guys. Alright, so we have a couple things that we have to talk about this week. Uh, You know, the news coming out that we will be getting points or so FFG Live told us today at the Legion, or yesterday at the Legion stream. They are anticipating the points to drop on Tuesday with the stream. And so this is only supposed to be the actual points for like the update, not the wave four points. You're still going to have to wait for them. So we're going to basically take this week's episode and just kind of recap the past six months um, the, since what's happened with the, the past points update and how you know we feel about it, what we think is going to change, uh, some of our biases. But before we get into any of all that stuff, we're going to... We've been messing around with the N1s and just kind of like talking about the theory crafting. I mean, granted, we don't know the points or anything like that. So we're just kind of doing quick builds and like hypotheticals of what people think the points are going to be with. So, Chris, you have some experience with these guys. So yeah. Far. Yeah. Before we jump into the N1, just a quick question on the points for Tuesday. Um, it mentioned that they won't be legal right away. So what does that mean? Like if there's a tournament next weekend, they're they're not allowed to use that it might be something that like okay it might be something that they have scheduled in but they might say these are not legal until maybe wave four drops okay so any tournaments between like now and july 12th i think is the date right that they they would have to use current points sure i mean i I guess we'll find more uh, information about that but like that was my first point or thought was these points might not be or update it until they might just do one big point update on july 12th with the wave uh, or with the wave four release um right instead of having to do two different you know big updates to the app and all that other stuff they might just do that which i mean honestly once it comes out i'm probably just going to start playing with those points regardless because i don't know who anyone who else would it be so yeah i i mean it'd be kind of interesting to see if any of the official tournaments next weekend like just decide to use the new points anyways. I mean, do we have any um, official tournaments? There might be some, some overseas. like overseas, yeah. right? Um, but if they do that, then they maybe invalidate any of the uh, invites and all that. That makes sense. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I mean, I don't think there's any more hyperspace trials in the United States. I think that just ended this past weekend. Um, this was the last weekend. I think there was one in Fresno. And I yeah. don't think there's any more system opens currently scheduled. So... It's kind of cool that they did that with the um, with how like that ended right at the end of the season. That like then we're now we're getting the points. Looks like there is one system open next week in Spain. Right. Um, so and then nothing till the end of July. Right. So uh, that might be the reason why is that it might not kick into effect because there is that eleven day waiting period on new release ships. So maybe they are following the same thing with this uh, system that you, they're going to wait 11 days so people don't have to freak out at the last second for the system opens. Um, but So, all right, well, why don't we jump into the end one of what we've been thinking about it um, and what we've been testing. Like I said, we haven't had any kind of points or anything like that, but we've really kind of just messed around with the quick builds and this point speculation. So yeah all i've got to say is uh, the only two ships i'm really looking at this are padme and ollie not anakin no i don't think so okay i mean force charges but 
So uh, uh, the the first first, the first and one charge. Does he have one? He's got one. Yeah. Yeah. Which is it's nice permanent calculate right. So the only one that or the first one that I tested was Ollie, and I, that's mainly because he was the i five and um, kind of reminds me of cruise missile mechanics. I like the idea of having to go a specific speed to get the dice. So I tried him out very briefly. And the main thing that stood out there, we talked about it at the end of the last episode, is just that, I don't know, like they, they have this kind of funky dial where they, can, they have a one straight. So you don't have to go super fast right away. Um, and then when you're ready to, you know, put down that five straight template, it's it's there for you. Uh, so that first engagement is kind of, it's kind of it's kind of neat. I, I I can't imagine with Ollie being able to get like two consecutive three straight maneuvers to work. Like it's kind of interesting if you, you know, if you think about the way that a normal engagement works, it's sort of unpredictable to be able to do like two consecutive super fast moves on the way to the engage without being at like a not great range to defend from. So I, that that whole thing with Ollie, maybe you're you're going to want to use the, uh, the astromech that lets you adjust speeds up and down one. Yeah, no, I, I've been looking at that too, and like I really, because I think Ollie's going to be one of those ships that I do come in on like a flank with being the five, and like if you get in a tight spot with him, like I mean, if you're throwing then at two bank, like you're basically like unstoppable that you can do the three bank or the one bank or the two bank uh, with that astromech, and you're not going to be able to be touched or blocked um, unless they have like massive amounts of ships on the board. Right. So one of the things that stood out immediately with the dial was just um, opportunities to do the three plus speed moves. Kind of, they're 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 limited if you're not flanking. So that point about flanking is a really good one. Where because of the way that their their dial is set up, they have a three talon roll. It's it's not very easy after the first engage to stay on target and you know get full throttle to work. Um, it's not like a defender where you're just immediately dialing up a 4k turn um, which is you know somewhat problematic if you're like assuming you're going to have a focus of aid every turn i don't think that's going to be the case with these sure. you'll have you'll definitely have a focus of aid for the first engagement and you'll most likely have the option for a focus of aid to disengage but to keep you know keep on target obviously leia exists so you can do the three talon Right, and then perform the the focus evade, but without Leia on the table, I mean, no, I'm sorry, not Leia. I'm, uh, the the astromech that lets you do the Talon to to take a focus. What's the name of that? Um, R R seven something. Forget the Is name. It of like it. the R four P one seven. R R four P seventeen. That's yeah. right. Um, I think one of them that only allows basic maneuvers isn't helpful, but the one that lets you do a, a red maneuver, it at least gives you the chance at a focus on the turnaround, right? Uh, so at least you have tokens and then you can set up for another three straight but it's just that whole that whole moment with these n1s is going to be a little bit awkward and i'm really curious to see how people learn to fly around that um unless like ffg snuck a card in there that's republic leia yeah um so okay when i've been looking at these things the two things that have come to mind are with if i'm flying something like rick he kind of feels like that dog fighty fighty guy where, like, I'm going in there fast and I might have a turn or two of uh, fighting where I'm going to be doing or getting the three shot with our Rick and then maybe doing the um, getting another shot in there with that droid that makes you 
increased maneuvers just to try to get that extra dice. And then I think something like a list that involves him is just going to spend maybe like two or three turns disengaging, making sure that every turn you have that focus of aid. Because, I mean, if you're going like fast, there's a good chance that you're probably going to get that third dice on defense all, all the time with him. Um, just from me looking at it, like that's the that's the mindset that I've gotten into it. Um, like, Yeah, and that's why the flanking is going to be so critical, right? Because to to get the focus of aid and still be engaging for, for consecutive turns will depend entirely on your angle of approach. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you're, unless you're just flying behind a gas cloud, which is an absolutely reasonable strategy. Um, the other thing too, though, is that like they are, they're, they're, they're just tanky enough in terms of HP count that, you know, if someone starts shooting at them and they don't take meaningful damage in the first engagement, um, you can kind of afford to just sort of, throw down the talon roll right and and you know allow them to to take some shots at it you know it's it's not like there aren't other things in your list no absolutely um just going on uh, like changing the pace a little bit on it i, I the, that's the one thing that i've thought about was maybe like with rick doing the engage disengage reposition everything and then like come back into the fight and do what he does but at the same time i think these things are like perfectly okay with some of their abilities to maybe like do a beefy approach towards it where like you have like some arcs and stuff like that especially when you're looking at like Padme giving you that defense buff um, with her only basically like taking double mana shots away from people Um, I mean it's not it's like a light takeaway to that you're still going to be able to mod some things but I mean like I would be interested to see if they have the option to go slow. You don't always have to go fast, but at the same time, like they might be able to provide some kind of defense that they need by staying in a pack. So, so I, I found okay. personally that I mean, with Rick, I, I do not ever want to be going slow with him because then I'm giving up that defensive die, which is just so huge. Right, right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm definitely not talking about like Rick because, like I said, when I yeah, play Rick, I want to like do like the mm-hmm. engage, disengage, and then reengage when I have the favorable. Thing what I'm thinking as like so what I'm thinking about is something like Padme where she might be like in a formation with some arcs and um, but she she has that option like I think people when they see this full throttle ability they're like okay I have to do a three every single turn or else where I don't know if that's always going to be the right answer yeah so I I one of the te- I've only had two little test games with these that I've I've tried um, the second one I used. Uh, Padme with Juke, and then I assumed I could fit Obi-Wan and Anakin. So that might have been an over-assumption on my part, but whatever, right? I just wanted to try out Padme. Uh, and in Padme's case, it was kind of a situation where, like, of, of the things in my list, I really didn't care if, if, if Padme was taking shots, and Padme, like, kind of set up initially just to, just to pre- present a threat. Um, and then kind of just got into the mix and became a blocker so there's that point you know like the the rebel a-wing right jake like what's so cool about jake is like he kind of just performs many different functions throughout a game he starts out as a flanker then he becomes a blocker then later he might become like soon tier um padme can kind of just sort of become a blocker in the mid game right and then immediately after that just you know and as an i4 ship right you're gonna have opportunities to block so you're not you're denying mods with blocks, and then you're also using her ability right to 
to shut down modification from other ships. Um, that that I think is going to be kind of pretty fundamental to using that ship. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think that's my big thing. I, I think Padme is really going to be like when I first like saw it and like I saw like her ability and I think like even just started putting it like I almost had like kind of like Fair Ship Rebel like flashbacks to be like with the right setup like you might be able to like pull some tricky things off with this where like she almost imposes like a Captain Rex thing where like she kind of like makes like a favorable matchup on certain things um well so let's get into that a little bit though right because and we'll, we'll talk later in the episode maybe about some of this but there are a huge number of passive mods in the game now and a lot of them have to do with rerolls so what the wording on Padme, right, is you can't use a focus token? No. Or is it that you can't modify a focus result? You can't modify you a can focus result. Modify, you can, you can yeah, only modify one. One focus result. So that means if you do something like, um, I don't know, re-roll your focus result, guess what? You just spent your modify. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so so I, I guess the experience that I had with it, right, was that it was like, it was impactful, um, but not like not massively so, but I think it's going to be the kind of situation where a huge portion of the player base won't be able to perceive how much it's helping them. Like, because it, basically it gets better the more things that are in arc, right? And it works on both defense and, you know, like when when it's attacking. So I, I think it's just like just subtle enough, the impact that it has, that except for the couple times where like someone just can specifically see that they couldn't mo modify the additional you know focus that they have, um, it might be kind of situation where it's just like they don't they just feel like oh but my my opponent did a, a reroll the blank and modified an eyeball and that happened three times in the game that I brought Padme, this is trash, right? <laughs> I, like that that'll probably be an overreaction because it's like subtly going to tilt you know engagements your way. Um, more often than that no yeah i i 100% agree like i i really think like where she's going to shine is like especially with twerps when people are getting these like double modded twerps off and you always see like okay so like let's say you roll hit focus focus or something along those lines and then you re-roll that last dice too and it ends up being like you know either a focus or a you know hit let's say it is a focus and like you literally almost destroyed that double mod because now they have to can they can spend their focus token for just one of those eye results um like so many times you see that happen where like they leave the focus there and they are either fishing for that other you know crit where i, I think that's really going to be um where like she's going to shine like obviously it's going to help a lot on defense with um or like shredding defense on aces being only to spend that one um, focus. I, I mean, like, let's say, like, you roll... Okay, I guess, never mind. I should just take that out. That's not ever going to happen. I was going to say, like, if you roll, like, focus, 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 and you have a focus and evade, you can only spend either an evade or a focus token because you're modifying that dice. Like, it, she's really going to feel good. Like, I know you're spending an evade, but you are ultimately altering a focus result yeah so um, i mean i think people really need to take a long hard look at this like there's so many like and like understand exactly what she does so i think you're right but 
if you're going to be using that ability a lot, she's not going to be going fast, so she's not going to get that evade. So she's really just a torrent with a really good ability at that point. So she's also not going to be around very long. That's why I was testing Juke on her, because the damage was, was pretty reliable against, like, it felt like it was going to be pretty good against some aces, right? It's just sort of like an ace control piece. Right. Um, like, just nipping damage in. And then, you know, as far as the durability on it, I, yeah, I, I think it's it's the sort of thing where I'll probably be happy someone shoots at the shoots at it, right? As long as they're not shooting at the Jedi, you're winning that game. <laughs> is is the hope? But it's it's also like we're only talking about Padme and Ali. I feel like Padme is the most boring of all of these. Like like Ali is obviously the one that seems fun because it's dial related, um, and then you know Anakin just to talk about Anakin for a second, right? Uh, it's it's not trivial that, you know, he can just do his his full throttle maneuver and then kind of have evade, focus, force charge, right? That's that's pretty substantial at, at initiative four and gives you a chance to, you know, probably get similar value out of a ship like that um, to, to whatever Padme is bringing to the table. Hey, I, like I said, I mean, I think people really need to take a little hard look at it because, I mean, I, I've... Not trying to like trigger anyone of going back to Fisher Bribles, but like I mean, like like I said, the first thing I was thinking about doing is throwing her and Sinker on the table. Well, so let's get into that though, right? Because like the current archetypes that we have, and it'll be easier with points. We could probably move on soon, but like the 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 Republic beef that exists is kind of like Sinker and an Arc and a bunch of Torrents, right? Or a Jedi and an Arc and a bunch of Torrents. So I, you know, like. Is it going to be able to, to create a defensive enough list that you sort of have like a bunker that's moving at you? Uh, maybe with the handmaidens a tiny bit, but it's it's the the, the the main thing that stood out to me in the test game was the two attack dice, right? It didn't feel inconsequential because I had Juke, but without Juke, it's sort of you, you start to wonder: Are they going to price these, um, you know, to a point where? It's like defenders, right? When you have full throttle on the uh, printed on the card, I think FFG sort of looks at that and they're like, "Let's use offense, like bad offense, to restrict the ship, mm-hmm. right? It can have X number of tricks and better defense and a really fantastic stat line, but then you know the the offensive side of the equation becomes prohibitively expensive to be logical. So, so that's kind of what I, I expect to see. Go ahead, Brad. Sorry. So what I liked most about the the N1s was how different their dial was from everything else in the faction. Like, so the list I was putting on the table was Ali, uh, Anakin, and Mace. Um, and you know, the, the actual upgrades don't really matter. But the flight path with Ali was so different than the other Jedi that I found he just he was com- being completely ignored. I was flying him, you know, getting that evade every turn, you know, doing a three hard in and three bank away. And then just coming back around, and their choice yeah. was either I can go after Ollie and have the defender or the the Jedi just murder me with their you know force and target locks, or I can just ignore Ollie, who's going to be able to flank repeatedly because they have to focus solely on the Jedi. There's no way for them to really protect against both both of those types of flight patterns. Right, like that disengagement turn, you're recycling essentially. And how much was Ollie reminding you of Lulo? <laughs> like, a lot. I mean, it was. Right? Just, and it was it was so much fun to fly, first of all, but it, I mean, it was almost like I could get a flank every third turn 
you know, if not every every second turn. It, it, you know, a lot of it comes down to rock placement as to, you know, how perfectly you set up where you can do that disengage and then get right back in there. But, I, I mean, just it was so different than the Jedi dial that I thought it really was beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, you know, I when I was testing it, I actually reached for, like, the one hard turn. I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> it, it's got the one bank and the one forward. Um so you get so used to the Jedi just being able to one hard turn, right? And kind of like barrel roll back and pretend to be a phantom. Yeah. And it's, not, it's like a fake candy cane. It's not at all like that. <laughs> right. It's basically a tie bomber dial with the five straight. <laughs> so um, any other hype for the, the, the N1? I mean, it's the other, I mean, the only other thing to mention, I guess, is that it's, it's just, it looks cool. Um, I don't know if we have a ton of Phantom Menace fans locally, but it does look cool. No, I, I definitely think this ship is going to shake up the faction greatly. Um, like, I don't know how deep we've gone into the Hyena Bomber, but, like, it when it comes down to it, it's just, like, a bomber. Like, I don't think anything special. Where, like, this is, like, seems, like, cool for the game, and, like, it's really kind of, like, changing things up. How much of that, though, is just, like, this one looks like an ace, plays, like, a mobile thing, yeah. has an I-5, where the Hyena doesn't. Like, I feel like... All of Separatists is just broadly dismissed and ignored just because it's not what most people play, right? right? Like there's the hyenas. The hyena is kind of interesting because it's got it's got five HP. Like the, the brief, I've only had a game against it, um, but it, it's nice to have a Separatist ship that is not a three hole vulture. <laughs> yeah, like I, you know, it, I I kind of see the hyena as potentially occupying a, a sort of like becoming kind of the separatist torrent at minimum it can be so much more than that but at minimum it could be the separatist torrent right and that's sort of a big deal because the torrents don't have network calculations um and so we that, still got to see this bomb that uh, have you seen this bomb oh, come the, on the mother of yet? all bombs yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean how much is that going to do more damage to them than other things sure but <laughs> yeah uh, um uh, like I said, though, going back to the N one, I, I think it's it's definitely going to be good for the game. It's going to shake up the faction a little bit. I think it's going to be really good. Like I think, I, even if people aren't excited to put it on the like Phantom Menace for, uh, like fans, I think this is going to be a fan favorite of the game. Like people yeah. are going to want to buy these things, and it's probably going to be pretty good for the game. Or just think in the game, it's going to be pretty good. And we'll They're see. Also pretty fun to paint. <laughs> oh yeah, well we got to paint them for first order colors, right? That's kind of the first thing you do. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> sure. All right, so let's move on then. All right, Did... so yeah, yeah. Oh sure. So so just I, before we jump into this topic, I guess we're we're going to talk a little bit about like uh, faction and ship biases. But uh, Brett, I I thought we'd just kind of open the floor to you for a second to talk about what you've been flying been a little while since we had you on right um and it, there's been somewhat of a lull competitively so we'll talk about yeah, that. so one thing i haven't been flying at all is 5a wings i'm completely done with that um i've mostly been flying jedi um they're just so much fun i can't see any reason not to uh the list specifically has been um mace obi-wan and luminara with the uh 7b on everyone and the regen droids on mace and wow uh, I'm sorry, Mason Obi-Wan. And wow, does that thing just hit like a truck. Um, 
I, I mean, just the your target locking every turn, basically. Luminara is, you know, really giving you a nice defensive buff with that ability. Uh, so that that could be the most fun list I have flown since Vader, Suntir, and Whisper. It's kind. It kind of inhabits a similar space, right? I, so you're running. You're running Obi Wan in there. What I've seen is uh, is is like three I four Jedi, right? I've seen that around. Because um, I guess that fits three copies of seven B. Does your list fit that? Yeah. So mine has three copies of seven B. The the three I four one you can get regen droids on everyone, and then sense on Mace, so that way you can sort of uh, try and act a little bit more AC. Um, but I've just I want that third force from Obi-Wan. I'm willing to, to drop a, a regen droid in sense to get that third force. I got you. Um, and the I-5. Right. So you're not you're not playing... What's, what's sort of interesting there, right, is that like all of the successful Jedi lists I've seen play to the regen kind of function. Like they, they play to their win condition of... I will I will take some damage, but I'll get it back, and then you know towards the end of the game I'll half point something probably. Um, it's sort of a, a long game type type faction for most of the hyperspace relevant Jedi lists, right? I uh, but with, with what you described, you kind of kind of have to be a little more aggressive. They become the proton torps that they are, I guess. Right. I mean, I have the regen droids, so I I do use them when necessary. But yeah, I, my games have not been going to time. I mean, they've been over, and you know. 45 minutes maybe like it's just a you can play super aggressive with that because luminara is really helping you out defensively and with all that force and you know with mace it just comes back over and over and over again it's it's so good yeah so um how badly do you miss anakin in that though like i i guess i guess part of what i was trying to say is um it's not just the regen but it's also sort of anakin like it's sort of specifically anakin running to time with regen right <laughs> like we've seen obi in three torrents uh, but most of the fact, like the whole faction, seems to orbit around whatever Anakin can do. Um, so, do, do they struggle against I sixes, or is it sort of like no big deal because all five K turn anyways, whatever? I mean, obviously Anakin would be nice, right? But there's not enough points to to get him in there with with all the other uh, nice tricks. Um, I haven't been struggling too much against I sixes because I just know I need to take them out while I have all of my guns on the table, all of my force available to me. And as long as I'm doing my my range bands correctly, all right, I'm I'm getting that target lock on the first engagement. And you know, with you know three guns that are going to hit for almost all of their their dice, you know that I six is going to be in trouble or is just going to be running away from me the entire game. And I'm going to mop up everything else. So, so that, that comment about, you know, hitting for three, that's, that's one of the biggest things that I've seen against Jedi is that you'll go into an engagement and like, I'll usually just have a focus token or whatever, right. Expect, you know, not, not perfect three hits every time, but when you're defending against the Jedi, if they're managing their resources, well, you basically just assume they're they're rolling for three damage. Like when I go into an engagement against the Jedi list, right? Most of the time, I'm just assuming that every shot they take will be for three. Um, even though it's you know it doesn't quite work out to that because they they end up you know having lots of turns where it's just a lock and one force charge, right? I mean, it ha- it generally happens more with Luminara than anyone else because you know when Mace has to use two force in a turn, then he just does that sloop. And, you know, that force comes back and, you know, maybe he doesn't get the target lock that turn, but, you know, he's right back up to full again. Uh, so, yeah, it doesn't happen every turn, but the amount of times you hit for three or four is just astronomical. Right. 
and that that puts a lot of pressure on your opponent, right? Because they they have to they have to keep up offensively, um, and and their only real options there are like to make sure they focus down those Jedi fast enough that they're not you know sustaining that damage throughout the rest of the game. Right, and with seven B, I mean the Jedi are pretty tanky, so you're also really kind of hurting their offense because they need to hold on to their focus tokens because they know I'm going to hit for three. So if they spend it on offense, well, then, you know, they're, they're going to die. So, you know, I'm really hurting their offense. And with Luminar, when I'm already turning another one into a, a focus, uh, I mean, it, it really seems like a, a pretty strong list. Yeah, I can believe it. I, I the, the thing that eventually we'll do like a real deep dive on Jedi in general. Um, last question for you. When I've used it, I tend to focus a lot just so I don't have to deal with, you know, really thinking too hard about the force charges. Meaning if I'm out of arc, it's a target lock and, you know, two force charges, I'll spend one to modify and just to help manage that. But if I'm in arc, a lot of times I'll just focus. Yeah, I very rarely am focusing with this. Um, I want I want to win that damage race, so I'm target locking almost every turn. Now, I will often or spend the target lock on my focus results you know if i'm if i'm going to be taking maybe two shots i'm not going to spend that force on offense if i can avoid it uh you know unless i know it's going to guarantee me a kill um but i'm i'm taking the target lock almost every turn just to to have that possibility for maximum offense and the turns when you don't need to spend it and then you sloop or k turn and and you're still fully modded it's it's like you're cheating anything else to manage force a just subtle subtle tips that uh, play for bumps. Honestly, bumps when you're a force user are like the best move you can get. You take away a shot and, you know, you might not be getting shot at all. You just regen a force if there's only one other ship on the table. Um, but, you know, mace, you know, any ability that gets you more force like mace, that that's what you want to be using. I think those are so much more helpful than any type of ability where you're having to spend a force, except for maybe fine-tune controls when necessary. Right. God, it's so crazy, right? To think that because they're basically like mini aces that they—I mean, it's not—it's—it's it's not unusual for an ace in an end game to bump into stuff to deny shots. But you know, with these guys, they—they they really don't suffer too much from getting caught out. Yeah, I mean, I played a tournament yesterday, not with with the Jedi, but I had Vader, and you know, I was playing for a bump. I was down to to like one force, and I was like, all right, I just need to bump here, and and this game is completely in hand, and that's not what you're supposed to be doing in this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Drew, have you, have you flown the Jedi at all, or are they like resistance? You really haven't nope, got, got I, a chance I haven't to touched them. Like I said, I'm probably going to finally pick them up once I... I'm waiting for my local game store to have the N1, so I'll probably wait till they come in, and I'll probably pick up all the Jedi stuff and then go from there. Holy crap! The Barnes and Noble, right? Yeah, I'm mean, Barnes and Noble is actually farther than my local game store, and I'm lazy, and I don't need it that badly. There's so much more stuff that I haven't put on the table from like an actual like base conversion kits that I'm like, I'll fly this stuff that I haven't yet. Like I've been flying, like I said, a lot of the Decimator, uh, E wings, Defenders, um, Lancers. Stuff yeah. that like I just normally haven't been putting on the table, and I'm like, let's just find. I've been putting seeks on the table, um, so it's crazy, man. It's like so. So first of all, completely agree. It's like totally reasonable just to wait for July 12th, right? It's not not that far away. Um, I tend to just buy from like everywhere that has X-wing. 
<laughs> so I buy from my local store. I buy from Amazon. I'll buy from Barnes and Noble. Like, I just buy what I want, and what I need, and then still support the store. But the the funny thing for you is like, if you haven't really played Resistance or Republic at all yet, it's almost like there's just like a whole other game waiting for you. Like that's a crazy thing, right? Like 2.0 has been out a long time, but like, I, I imagine you're not the only player like that. There's got to be a lot of players out there who are pretty much untouched an entire fat faction, right? Yeah. Um, it's pretty wild the seven factions that that, that happens a lot. Yeah, I mean, I've got okay. Good. I, I've got players by near me who have not played six of the seven factions. I mean, it's mind blowing to me how how much content there is that these people are are not using, but they're still having fun. Yeah, I mean, what's so funny, right, is we're all like so hungry for point adjustments all the time, and like the community is always like kind of losing its mind about it. But like, I bet you the vast majority of the community could just kind of get a quasi point adjustment just by opening another conversion kit, <laughs> and like that'll probably be true like next year in the spring. <laughs> um, so I guess that kind of leads into the next immediate topic, right? Like we have the points dropping this week. Um, this is sort of our last episode before we just kind of get back into a full deep dive of list building and how to fly specific things and a little bit more what, you know, Brett, you and I were getting into about the Jedi just, just now. Um, so I thought a little bit of a retrospective on the meta would be cool before we get into that. Um, talking a little bit about how we feel about the current meta right before the point adjustment. Um, and, and also talking somewhat about what our specific biases are. Um, so to define bias, it's essentially stuff that we enjoy flying that will typically kind of downplay the need for it to go up in cost. And then also, you know, ships that are probably, you know, pretty close to fine that we would demand point decreases to. Um, I think it's just kind of an interesting topic, right? Because there's so much discussion about what people would prefer the points to be, but that it doesn't always seem to really be colored by, you know, the reality of a ship. So why don't you take the first stab then, Chris? What? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's definitely first order and imperial, right? Like you want to the see stuff that are buffed. Uh, yeah. Like so, it's it's stuff that's like right on the the line of um of balance, right? For in my opinion, so like the entire first order faction, I've been running Kylo and Tabson, which are obviously the best two pieces. Um. And then after that, you know, as, as I use stuff, like the immediate impression I get is like, man, this really just should be cheaper, uh, particularly with silencers, right? Because it's like I can't build a list that I want that's competitive in the current meta. I uh, so I expect some point, slight point decreases to like the TIFO, possibly to you know some of the other silencers, but at the same time, it's sort of if they increase a whole different portion of the the card pool and other factions it might become relevant in ways that it already is, right? So I, I know just because it's what I play a lot, I kind of have a bias towards it, right? And then on the other side of things, like with Empire, I would be personally kind of like sad if they increased the cost of Vader, um, but that's only because I would say 99% of the lists that I build on the, the Empire side that aren't including Strikers exclusively have Vader in it. That's because right. you're doing it right. Well, so, but this is kind of what I'm getting to, right? Which is like, like, how often do people detach like what they fly from what they think points should be? Yeah. All right. So, like, just going into like, I know people have been talking about this, but some people think that the Fang Fighters need a little bit of a point increase. 
But I would say otherwise. Um, I, I think they're like right on that line of they are balanced. Um, it could be something along those lines that like FFG could be like, all right, well, we're going to increase them a point or two and throw a mod slot on them. And Right, so even that though, right? Like uh, yeah. I, <laughs> adding a mod slot to a Fang Fighter would be a huge deal. It would like, be a huge I, deal. And if, like I said, if they put a... Um, you know, increase those points just a few for that slot. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's a huge deal because you can put things like afterburners on it. You can put shield upgrades on it. But, like, I mean, with Fen sitting at, what, 68 points? Like, that's going to be a fat Fen, possibly. Like, I don't know if you really want him to be 76 points. But a double reposition fan, that's not something we currently have. Right. Like that's that is a significant he's already a hell of a closer without that option. Sure. Um but but so but it's a good example, right? Of of I think there's like a huge portion of the card pool that's right on the line of of just totally fine, right? And like I, I I'm not a game designer. I don't know what FFG's thinking as they're going to do the point adjustments. Um but I would imagine that the stuff that's sort of on that line, they would be very cautious to change, right? Regardless of, you know, perceptions and, you know, biases towards it, right? Right. On the other end of the spectrum, and I know you're not going to like this, Chris, but I think silencers might be okay. The FOs, I would say otherwise, but I think the FOs definitely are not seeing play for a specific reason. Like, 44 points for Midnight, um, even when they like kind of like nerfed his ability or her ability just a little bit. Like, I, I don't think that's worth the points. Um, I, I definitely could see them being dropped. Um, but uh, right. as far as the silencers, they are very good for a reason. And it, that, that runs a very, very fine line of are they broken or are they not? Like, so you I have to be very careful on, on that topic right well so what i would say definitively is they're closer to the line of being okay they're they're not really pushing the line on on broken at the moment right um kylo is excellent kylo is possibly at 76 like depending depending on how ffg treats all the other aces across the game which hopefully they're somewhat aggressive with you could look at kylo and say 76 is too cheap um but but setting him aside for a moment right like I, I've been doing a ton of testing with Blackout, right? A whole bunch of different lists. And in hyperspace, it's fine, right? It really is genuinely fine. In Extended, I would never under any circumstance bring Blackout to an Extended event. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's a question of how close a ship is to sort of that, that fine line of, like, that Fang Fighter balance, right? Like, good enough, right? Um, that, that's kind of where I'm coming from. So and, and just to kind of bring it off my perception of the game... Um, you know, like Andrew, you're primarily a scum kind of fan or sure. scum player. True um, Philly. So scums are <laughs> bad in quotes right now, but how much of the scum faction is actually pretty much right there? Uh, are we talking extended? <laughs> yeah. Well, so let's make this exclusively extended because I don't think hyperspace is really helpful at all. I think I think hyperspace is. Um, they they have to probably pick a format that they balance around, right? Right. And, and they, I, I assume they pick extended. So we're asking how close scum ships are to being like right on that yeah, line of good, and 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 more specifically, because I think the interesting part of the conversation is sort of like how how do you view 
the scum faction right now? How aggressive do you want FFG to be with the point adjustments? Um, but can you see through which ships are good and which ships are 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 kind of on the line or in need of help? Sure. I mean, like you can definitely see like right off the bat, like they anything like a lot of like the named ships just don't. I don't know. They don't put on the table well. But at the same time, I think there are some very, very good key pieces in the scum faction that it's kind of like, do we need to find that balance of, like, do we soften the things that aren't seeing any playtime and are we going to harden the things that are seeing excessive playtime? Like, there's no shock in the world that Fenrel gets uh, probably the most playtime of, or probably Fenrel and Boba get the most playtime in the scum faction um but like some things like i don't know let's say dalen oberos in the Kimogila, like or any of the Kimogilas, like they're, they're those things that like what is the problem with them is it because they're two points and like is decreasing the points the problem with them or like is this something along the lines of like are the upgrades just not right there like would it be something like along the lines of like does FFG need to fix upgrades for certain ships or even factions as opposed to other things? Like, I mean, for an example, I thought the IG eighty eight, the aggressors, were very playable before that first points change because of the upgrades that they like. This is a ship that you do kit out. Like, you want to bring the upgrades for you. It's not one of those ships that you just bring by itself. Or you try to bring as many naked. Like, this is a ship that you put upgrades on. And when they hurt the upgrades that you really kind of wanted to put on there, um, it, it really kind of hurt the ship in general. So I run that fine line of that. Like, what could they do to certain areas of the factions that instead of just, like, the ships? Because, like, I know a lot of people are just like, oh, just decrease the points. But that might not be the answer, right? Yeah, like, so for Scum, they increased points for a whole bunch of stuff in the first point adjustment right and then you know maybe for the second one you're saying they take a pass at upgrades to sort of broadly help the faction out without tilting it too far right and and like that again that runs the fine line of you know is the adjustment of the uh, upgrades going to hurt like or just basically benefit other things that can take those upgrades like i would be interested to see if like and I know it would be a lot of work on FFG or anything like that, but like let's say like um, just for example, trajectory simulator cost like three points less for the resistance bombers as opposed to something like the Punishers, um, and that could be like completely game changing for like specific factions and you know just ships that aren't seeing any play at all. Yeah. So before we move to Brett, like. What what's give give me a ship that you're attached to that you you would want them to decrease that probably is fine. <laughs> it's probably uh, you already know that answer. Um, they should probably just make the title for and it, this is the Jump Master title. They should just make that thing free or very <laughs> very very low points. Eight points. If it was eight points, it deserves that front arc to be okay. Perfect. No, so that's perfect, right? Because like the jump master is just terrible. Right. Like it's not even close to the line of okay. Um, I tried. I tried so <laughs> hard. <laughs> but no, yeah, yeah. Like I said, like I mean, like, and, and like I'm saying, I, I know the title's an upgrade, but it's you know, it's a ship 
only you know upgrade so like but like that's one of the things that like i would like to see that somehow and like maybe they do have a plan for it with the re-release of the jump master um sure so if i can offer one for scum right like the the yt 1300 i feel like is is really close to the line of being useful but maybe not everything people want it to be right mm-hmm. so like maybe, maybe the upgrades will help it out but it's not like the base ship needs to be dramatically reduced in cost or maybe reduced at all right i mean it's just so much else could shift in the faction right um so, so Brad, I, I turn it over to you for a second. I know it's kind of like a goofy question. I just it's it's more for like the listeners to sort of think a little bit more themselves about, you know, like a, when we approach a point adjustment, not losing their minds over like everything has everything's bad, so it has to go down a cost, or everything's good it has to go up. Yes, yeah, so, I mean I am mostly an imperial player, so I'm just sitting here in fear that Vader is going up, and Suntir is going up, and Whisper is going up, and I'll never get to play X-wing again. Um, <laughs> Right, because I, I mean, I love ace ships. That's if I could just fly aces, that's what I would do. You guys were talking about scum. I was on Yasby, and I immediately put Fenrau in and Guri in, and I'm like, what can I fit in for a third ship for for scum? Um, so those are just the type of ships I like. So that's that's what I'm just terrified they're going to do. And I know I'm so biased towards it because Whisper needs to go up, and you know, Suntier probably could go up a point or two. Um, you know, Vader, I, I think, is pretty good, so I really hope they don't touch Vader too much. Um, I like that there's a lot of options. I mean, Chris, you and I go back and forth all the time on, on what are the, the right upgrade options on, on Vader, and we don't agree on it, but the fact that there are all those choices out there is what makes the game, you know, interesting and fun. Um, so I hope they don't get rid of that flexibility. So, so Vader's an interesting case, right? Because it's sort of like he, he's a powerhouse ship and he, he's central to so much of what Empire's done in hyperspace. Um, but, you know, you switch over to Extended, and it's like, uh, what what are the relevant Extended Imperialists with, with Vader in it? It was Vader and 3M Dars, right? Vader, Whisper, and Suntir, which you ran at Toronto. Um, and then I think, you know, occasionally we would see some other kind of three-ship Vader list pop up in the Extended format. So, it, it's a delicate act, right? We're like, Vader's probably pretty close to okay. Um, but, you know, if they increased it two points, so you lose FCS in some lists, right? That that would be painful, because he likes to K-turn. Um, but that, that would be the impact that I think we'd be looking at. And then you just kind of have to build around it. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you lose FCS, you... You know, and you got to make sure you can bid with these things too, though. And that's one of the important things, is, right? When you're playing Imperial Aces, you don't have a 200 point budget like you do on First Order. You have, you know, I, I'm generally at 190, so you know, I don't have exact wiggle room there. Well, so but so that's the thing is that's kind of what I'm getting at, right? Which is like, like, will we see trip ace lists across the entire game? be kind of in the area that first order is when you try to build a five five six list where that immediately hits 200 points without really any upgrades like realistically you know i I can imagine a lot of people would look at empire and say what's the justification for empire to have a five five six list at 190 without really needing any more points even the same thing for republic Um, does that simple fact of like being able to fit a trip a true trip aces list below 200 points raise a flag for ffg or should it 
that that kind of gets into biases, right? Because it's sort of like I agree with like I've I've flown a lot of aces. I love that. It's just it's comfortable. It feels safe. It's it's it feels fun because you can move around and whatever. But like you really do want the bid. Um, it becomes a very different game as you're moving at at 200 in every in every matchup. I uh, that that's something I don't see from the community very much, right? Which is like you know general calls to be at 200 points with with high initiative. Yeah, I, I don't see that anywhere. And we know that the community just seems to love aces as well because before Soontir got added to hyperspace, right? Imperials were just completely neglected. And as soon as he got added in there, everyone jumped on the Vader, Soontir, and, you know, Duchess or Bombers or whatever you want to go with list. Um, so I, I don't think that they're going to make it so that archetype is weak. Um, and, you know, unlike First Order, you know, uh, silencers or whatever, you know, Suntir's got three hull, you know, he needs to, to, to be good to have that, that type of bid. Um, he doesn't have the shields to make up for it. So I think you're, you know, those are pretty rough comparisons, I think. Yeah. So then you, you transition over to, to Republic, right? Just to kind of stay on the same, the same theme. Um, with Republic, you can take, you know, Anakin and you have to downgrade one of the Jedi down to an I-4 with the two torrents to get all the region that you want plus the bid i uh, so like that that becomes like a pretty you know jedi do so many weird things that i hesitate to call it like really wholesome but it's whatever it's it's fairly balanced right there's compromise that's made at initiative to get to the bid that you want so i sort of where, where this leads into right is like in the in the vader soon tier whisper list you know if you turn whisper into vendor it's still a very good list, and maybe you're able to to run at 190 now. Like those are the compromises I kind of think that FFG might prioritize, which is sort of like pushing those lists to choosing between you know straight you know kind of flush five six at 200, or you know six 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 four at at 192. Um, like I again, FFG probably isn't super granular with all of this because it, it's really difficult. I'm sure they just kind of directionally try to do some things um but but that that's this is like a perfect example i I, scum scum andrew is in a spot where if you need to build if you're trying to build a true aces list you end up at 200 pretty fast right yeah yeah because it's basically just gonna it's it is basically just fen gurry and then you can like throw in cavil and whatever you're gonna be at 200 points in a heartbeat i was um so, all right, like, not to, like, backtrack a little bit, but, like, I was just thinking, like, the Hawks are, like, one of those things that uh, they're, like, right on the point of they're fair now. But, I mean, like, something like, I don't know, I'm looking at the YV666 and, like... The named YVs are so sad, aren't they? I get they're not, they're, they're maybe on the line. But yeah, I want to say they're, they're on the line. Like, I mean, like, if anything more than, like, four to five points on them and, like, you're in dangerous territory. Like, they're just tanks like yeah but yeah I don't it's know. <laughs> it's it's super interesting right? that's why i kind of feel like with the point adjustments for tuesday i'm i'm hopeful that they're more i guess to loop back to what brett was saying about like not wanting soon to invader to go up too much i'm sort of hopeful that they prioritize increases to like the very top of the meta and are aggressive about those increases and then like are are not as you know they don't change as much as they did the first pass I'd like to see them make like really targeted changes to the stuff that's been, you know, wildly out of line and extended. And then 
not get too aggressive with any decreases except for a few examples um just to see where things shake out but the problem is they have to wait six months to do the change again so maybe that's not not possible yeah i'd be interested to see if they like kind of like do the next point change after this with the movie ships that they kind of will just when that comes out they'll kind of be like okay here's the plan like maybe like two weeks after the movie ships come out to be like okay um here's the next points adjustment like they kind of do like a release and then the next release they line up the points of changement with uh adjustment with each like almost every other points adjustment basically but we'd still be in a kind of a six-month timeline for that Sure, sure definitely i mean unless you know they get some kind of crazy let's push this back two months well, scenario yeah, we're, that we're, we're in now but the, um, this, the resistance shuttle comes out and then we have another upsilon scenario <laughs> right um no but one, one of the things that i'm like a little bit curious about with this points adjustment for is that they are doing a like q and a and like okay i get that they're it is a, lot, a very very big news for the game but like how big of news could it be that they could or, or could they be dropping something on our heads completely that they're like we're doing a points adjustment we're doing a hyperspace change like i can't see them not yet taking any second edition ships released out of hyperspace but i mean I, i'd be interested to see if there's any kind of news coming with this other than just points um, yeah like maybe they're like doing a theme with the points or something like that where like aces are going to get a big increase but certain other things are getting a decrease like i mean i'm not saying that thing specifically but like i'm really interested to see if there is going to be some kind of news like like a this. campaign associated with the point adjustments yeah, maybe we had that like in the in the article that they had for the first round of point adjustments they they spent a lot of time talking about turrets and they were like you know, we're, we're making targeted changes to upgrades and, and big base turret ships so they become relevant. Like, I, I, it would be really funny to see on Tuesday if, like, they come out and they say, you know, we're targeting generics specifically. We want them all to be good. Or, or we're targeting bombs specifically. We want them to be, be used. So, yeah, it, it would be interesting to see, like, if, like, each points adjustment, they kind of really, like, almost dictate a theme for that points adjustment. Um, maybe even to go hand in hand with like with the bombers coming out maybe that is the case that they'll, they'll try to like really cater this next meta into being very bomb heavy it's it's funny right because like this is why i wanted to bring up the biases thing because like most of the lists that i run are aces lists but i would actually be somewhat like i i wouldn't be completely mad on tuesday if they came out and they said like we're just increasing all aces like all of them right i uh, but and not like crazy like if they came out with like an actual strategy for it because you know, just just sort of shaking up the game in that way, I can maybe understand that. It's uh, it's 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 kind of like how aggressive they want to be with increases versus decreases. That that is always sort of like the the anxiety that the player base has. Yeah. Right. Uh, so transitioning from this for a second, and I just go, to go back to Brett, um, how much have you enjoyed this past meta? Right. Like I think it's 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 maybe useful that like since this is the first real full cycle, like how would you rate this cycle on like on a scale of zero to 1.0? <laughs> like it, it didn't seem too bad, but what's your, what's your take on Time it? Time out. 
they really need to name these cycles, like, give these cycles names. Like, this should have been, like, the Imperial Cycle or something, and the next one should be, like, the Rebellion Cycle. Alright, I'm sorry, <laughs> time back in. <laughs> I mean, okay, it's the Beef Cycle, pretty much, <laughs> the, I don't know. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, it would be cool if they gave it names, like, I mean, like, in other games, they, like, uh, for instance, Hearthstone, it's, like, the Year of the Mammoth. So, like, you can always go back to, like, kind of, like, are are we going to name this cycle, like, the Quad Phantom, like, era, like, but it would be cool if FFG did that on their own premise. But anyway, oh, back to Brett, would to answer So, so I kind of had a, a really unique, maybe take on this meta because the only main extended tournament i played in was the toronto system open which was the first you know main tournament after the points adjustment dropped so no one had figured out the meta at that point i mean i I feel like there were only a handful of of quad phantoms there at all um so i i mean that was such a fun tournament because no one really knew what we were doing um and it really felt like you could explore it. And then almost immediately after that, I, I shifted to hyperspace, which I got so bored of uh, that now the thought of going to a hyperspace tournament, you know, makes me want to just like stab myself in the eye. Um, I, I found that hyperspace got stale really quickly. Um, you know, I know it kind of ruined the format, but I was at least glad when they, you know, introduced those new ships. So there was something else to fly because if I flew, you know, Thai salad one more time, I was just going to snap. Um, so I haven't loved the meta, you know, recently after that one extended event. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. Cause, um, you know, the only event you went to was early in the cycle, I guess, Toronto at that time, like people was, were still sort of phantoms were immediately like kind of known after the point adjustment, but people were still sort of feeling things out. Like the, the player base hadn't transitioned away from Poe yet. Right. Like Poe was still showing up, correct? Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 kind of it's. I feel like a lot of people's experience of the meta is just like discussion and in the community and listening to podcasts. Like a huge percentage of the community's like experience of the meta is not actual like tournament time, <laughs> um, and that's true for me too, right? Like I, a lot of what I talk about when I'm, I'm like you know kind of reflecting on the meta is more about practice games that I get you know, on Vassal or, or, you know, practice games that we, we play preparing for tournaments. Um, but those are the times that you sort of like are planning around lists. You don't actually play against those lists, like a super high frequency, right? With one or two major exceptions. Rebel beef is a huge exception to that. So your, your comment about hyperspace getting stale really fast, like playing hyperspace these past couple of weeks has been an exercise in fighting rebel beef, right? Like it's, that's that is a matchup you couldn't dodge. It's a matchup yeah. that was very real for everybody. I mean, it's like it feels like it's half the meta. Now, I don't want to seem like I'm too big of a complainer, right? I mean, this season was hands down like the most successful season I've ever had. So I, I clearly enjoyed the game a lot. It's just I I like when there are choices and different options, and when I have to try and figure out you know what is my opponent going to do instead of being like oh they're going to just one straight up their side of the board edge until I decide to engage them, and then they'll you know just do all their rubble beef stuff fair um but on a scale right like we're i don't know we're nowhere near kind of 1.0 concern um i like i, I enjoyed trial season immensely and I, that might for me again getting back to the bias like i was flying first order which was very well positioned for this hyperspace format so i didn't hate hyperspace pretty much at all 
Um, but that's entirely due to the fact that I had Tabson in my list, and I just all season just kind of had a. I didn't actually initially use it, assuming it was good to counter Rebel Beef. Like I just was using it because I wanted to figure out a big base that was just a giant damage brick. Um, but the fact that it turned out to be like a hard counter to the most, you know, popular meta list made hyperspace more, I guess, enjoyable for me. But that's not true for like someone who was maybe running resistance or whatever, right? Like it'd just be a totally like not 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 five A's, but something else. Be a totally different experience. Right. And as you know, I, I only really flew the five A's when it came to, to resistance, so I I can't really speak much to the others. But yeah, I the the main problem I feel like was that the best hyperspace list was like the best extended list next to quad phantoms as well. So it, it really didn't seem very balanced in that regard. Yeah, it is it's a serious issue, right? Where if, if hyperspace and extended feel essentially the same except for one list, there then it's it's that variety is sort of it just sort of means immediately that extended is the format you're going to look at. Um, I still kind of like the limited set in hyperspace because it's easier to plan for and it feels like the games are more controlled. But that that's a really specific preference. You know what I mean by that? Where it's like like when I go to a hyperspace tournament, I kind of know what I'm going to see. So I know the games that I'm playing. I kind of already have a plan. Uh, where an extended, like, Swiss is just... You have no idea, really. Like you know, you're going to see maybe some rebel beef, but it, it's much harder to strategize for. Right, which can be fun, but you know, it also makes it a little more stressful for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is why the chaos meta is actually going to be on the flip side of it, like the chaos that we're about to have is also going to be extremely fun because you go into games and you sort of have to figure things out on the fly. Of like, oh, I've never seen that before. Let, let me see if I pick the right call here, you know, in the first 10 minutes of this this setup. It's kind of interesting. I, I just thought about this, but like, so my first event with the first points adjustment was an extended event. And then I focused primarily on hyperspace up until basically the end of this season. And then this cycle, it's going to be so like the top deck hyperspace trial is July 20th. So it's like, I'm going to have to like, Figure that out real quick, and then after that, it's just Nova, and then probably Worlds. That it's going to be like I'm back on the extended train. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, like just going back, what like Brett was saying though, like with it getting stale, I'd be curious to see if with these points coming up, like are they going to change enough in hyperspace that it's going to shake things up in hyperspace enough for people to care. Or are we just going to, like, if Rebel Beef doesn't get addressed or um, certain things in hyperspace don't get addressed, like, is it just going to be the same thing? And is it going to get pretty stale? So that that's the stale comment is sort of most of what I hear, right? Most people, when they're complaining about the meta right now, it's it's just that it's stale. You don't hear as much rage of, like, you know, I I, I can't stand playing the game. You know, right? Like, there's a lot of like, like I really don't want to play against beef again, but I'm going to a trial next weekend. <laughs> you know, like right. it's 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 sort of this weird spot where I feel like the fact that point adjustments exist sort of like heightens our like our kind of like complaints about stuff, right? Like we can we know that a change is coming, so you sort of start to feel that. Um, the, the lack of 
like meaningful games towards the end of the cycle. That didn't really hit me until like last week or so, right? So I guess worked out for me. But I'm sure for some folks it was like after their first trial they were like, "Yep, I'm done." Yeah. <laughs> like like bring on the point adjustment. After red caps, that's kind of how I felt. I I was just like, "All right, I I doesn't matter what I do now. It's probably not going to be productive practice." So uh, you know, I guess I'm just playing completely for fun, which is not bad, right? I mean, this game is fun. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, like just talking to people at Red Caps, like it was really interesting, like talking to two different complete mindsets where one person was just like, you know, oh man, like, you know, I only have to look forward to extended events after this, you know, and like, it, that's just the Wild West. Like it's it's bad and like stuff like that where like, Literally talking to someone like two seconds later was just like, oh, you know, I, I want to be able to play what I want to play. And that's why I like extend it. And like, I'm only here because my friends want to be here and stuff like that. So it, it is kind of crazy to still see that like there's there's two different mindsets towards the game um, that like do prefer one over the other. Where it's used uh, in the beginning, you kind of saw... Or at least my mentality was like I was just like just bring on the game, bring on whatever you want to do. Like I'm I'm an, I'm happy to play either variant of the game, but at the same time, like I, I crazy looking back and seeing those two different people. Well, yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'm at right now, which is that I don't I don't feel super like down on the meta. Um, again, mostly because I've been flying a counter to it. Um, but I, I, I do feel a little bit like if, if FFG doesn't make the two formats speak to their respective audiences, I, I'm going to be disappointed. Meaning, like, extended, they'll point adjust that, they'll do what they need to. Um, but if, if they don't, you know, really kind of take hyperspace and, and bring it back to what it started out as, um, then, it, then it's, that'll be kind of concerning, I guess. Uh, you know, it'll still be fun to go to trials and all of that, but it's sort of like, will they will they go back and and restrict it further, or will they continue to open it up? And if they open it up, like it'll still be fun. It's just you know you're just playing a slightly more limited version of the game. That that's that's my, kind of where I'm at right now, which is uh, how how intensely are they going to balance hyperspace? Or are they going to just double down on what they started with the the Suntir and the B Wing editions? Yeah. Which like either path could get you to a really fun game, like no question, right? Like they they could probably on Tuesday announce that they're just adding some new stuff to hyperspace, right? Um, and that's that's a decent path forward too. I uh, I don't know, it's it's tricky. Yeah, like I, I, this is a comment that I know I, I've repeated multiple times, but like don't be surprised if they take something out of hyperspace too, especially with the older factions. Like um, I'd be surprised if. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they just take out the Reaper, maybe add because you have the Decimator coming into hyperspace. Maybe they add the actual Lambda shuttle. Um, maybe they just take the Reaper out to like because that could change up the meta itself. Like just yanking something out. Out like if they were, if what if they took out like the um, Tie Advance? Like I mean, like they probably won't. But like that would shake things up on its own that you have to kind of like now you don't have vader as your key piece anymore right i for me it's more about um you know if they're if they're going to balance around extended and then pick pieces for hyperspace that create the 
like what they they think on paper is the the tightest version of of the format that's that's kind of what i'm hoping to see happen where it's you know if they kind of take a scalpel to to rebels and kind of increase b-wings a, a bit deal with cassian um you know they they take care of Aiden, and then they you know make a couple of other tweaks here and there increase soon or vader potentially or just remove soon outright like can they refine it a little bit further and make this next hyperspace cycle like like really really um just a just a simpler version of the game i think they would run the risk of alienating a lot of players which is why they made the changes they did before but it's sort of their call i mean what i'm wondering though is just if you're going to have factions like you know resistance or, or the republic be competitive and extended and everything that they have is going to be in hyperspace. I, I feel like you're really disadvantaging all the the older factions because they're not getting all their card pool, and they're going up against a faction that's supposed to be, you know, on par with the full Empire faction. It's a weird so catch twenty two. Right, I don't know how they you know address that unless they have you know different points for you know the the, the formats which. There's no reason to think they're going to, since they haven't done that yet. So, are you, are you basically saying that, like, like Republic is solid in hyperspace and it's relevant and extended? They somehow hit that magical sweet spot, right? And I actually, I don't know how true that state, that second statement is, or that it's relevant and extended. But let's say that it is. It seems like a difficult task to take, like the the four or five ship factions in hyperspace that are just the four, without reducing the ship count of the other factions, right? Yeah, um, I, I do agree. Yes. So, like, if if they reduce the ship count of the other factions in hyperspace, then they can balance hyperspace for all factions, and then in extended, yeah, you know, what you're saying is like, if if a goal is to make all of the factions relevant in extended, how do they do that for Republic Resistance and First Order? I genuinely don't know the answer. I think I think a restricted card pool is that answer. So it's it's sort of like. Yeah, it's definitely a catch-22 for them because if you sat down and you said, okay, all the silencers are cheaper now because we want First Order to perform and extended, you would do pretty, probably, like, like it's significantly cheaper would be kind of the scenario that I'm describing here, right? Like, we're talking, like, you know, enough to break the format of, of current state hyperspace. That would make them more relevant and extended immediately. It, those are the kinds of problems they probably run into, which is why at the end of the day, they have to pick one. They have to pick a format and just balance to it. Right. And it, I mean, it definitely seems like they're picking extended. I mean, I, I think I saw maybe a Twitter post or something about how they were keeping the name hyperspace trial for this season because everything was printed. Um, but otherwise, they would have been going to prime championships. And I don't think there's any reason to think the prime championships won't be extended moving forward. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if hyperspace is just totally, you know gone when we talk about this next year oh man yeah, that, that would be an interesting definitely topic because i know they, they definitely are changing it over like this hyperspace trial cycle that is coming up goes until what like late december mid-december um but Wait, so th- are you saying this could be the last cycle of, that hyperspace exists absolutely well not hyperspace the format but uh, i'm saying like the they've already kind of like made it clear that they're kind of going back to their old system of not every store is going to be getting a hyperspace trial or prime championship as they're calling it 
where they're going to they said they are going to add more stores to the list but they're not like it's not going to be one of those things that if you can buy it if you can fit as many people as the kit requires you can't just buy it that they're going to go back to hand picking so with that being said um it would they might do like something with this whole entire change of op they might just go straight to extend it so if that were to happen i I would kind of change my perception of the game a lot right like because right now i look at a lot of the card pool and i'm like you know constantly evaluating just sort of like crazy disparities for repositioning or passive modification like force force seems like this weird outlier um but if you remove like the 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 kind of the carrot of of having a a possibly good hyperspace format that's limited exist if you remove that entirely then you just start looking at this kind of extended card pool that's just powerful right and the definition of balance there becomes like totally different it's just I need to bring things that are at that level that is X-Wing now. So like the perception of like all the, all of the things that right now we look at and might think are an outlier, that kind of changes. And I, you know, it's, I don't, I know we talked a lot about like hyperspace versus extended here more than I intended to, but we kind of started with the biases conversation. I think a lot of that's informed by what format you're focusing on. Right. And, and and if, if that were to go away and you just focus on extended, you sort of open your mind again to being like, well, this is just what the power level is now, and it's going to creep. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that that does provide a huge problem with, like, power level in general. Like, dorsal turret seems fine, okay, like, now, but, like, I mean, like, who is to say that, like, in, like, three expansions that, like, just a better turret's going to come out? And, like, sure, they can do stuff like... One turret will, like, dorsal turret could eventually cost two points, where this other turret could possibly cost, like, eight points. But, uh, yeah, that that power creep was a big problem in first edition. And, and I think everything FFG is trying to do is prevent that from happening again. So let me ask a question on that. Yeah. Because uh, I've never played a minis game beside a, besides X-Wing. It's my first time playing a minis game that has the option of point adjustment, right? So does point adjustment solve the power creep problem or does it just slow it down Um, i I would assume it slows it down right like that it doesn't just it's not a golden ticket to perfect long-term balance so i can't really answer this even from like i guess from like video game experience so yeah i'm thinking about sort of escalate the closest thing that i can think of is with hearthstone where every three months they actually do do a point adjustment to cards but i don't really play like so they do have a extended and a hyperspace version where it's like wild and standard um that does work very well like you can absolutely play either variation but like they they do have like these points adjustments for this game so i think it does work well but i think also at the same time is a lot of times when they do points adjustment these cards it sometimes just completely kills the card and the deck that you would run before so it's it, it runs that like fine line of that you know like if you increase points of saying things are you just essentially killing it right so like an extended if if that becomes the primary format they balance around long term eventually they get to a spot where they're they're quasi banning things via cost sure. right and and like it's not hyperspace but they're sort of they're sort of refining the extended card pool on the edges 
but just entirely, right? Because they're they're gonna have some stuff at some point. I assume that they printed that was just busted. We're not. I mean, like Supernatural was sort of the first example of that, where they're like, yeah, price that thing out of existence, right? Um, we haven't had a card like that since then. Which is sort of that's sort of encouraging, right? That like after Supernatural went up to thirty two, there was not another card where they, were, they looked at and they were like, you know, maybe that needs to have a three and a zero in it, <laughs> you know, like. Time. I, I, I can't think of anything else i wouldn't be surprised if like you know certain things come into the game that will essentially just like we're so going back to like hearthstone like they have like cards that are basically like other cards but they're only good in the one format so like you can only use those cards for so long so like i'd be interesting to see if ffg takes this approach of there's cards that like would be good in hyperspace and like from what I understand is they want to keep hyperspace a format. Um, what in, in organized play, I'm not sure how they would approach that. So if it's not if the format's not in organized play, it might as well not exist though, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, but with the change of FFG's OP recently, like I, I really don't have a clue of what they could have uh, like in for the game. Guess that, that's like that's really the hardest thing to speculate. <laughs> we might find out on Tuesday what they do. So, yeah, okay. I know this is like super winding, and we don't normally talk about this stuff, right? Like we're usually focused on specific lists and different like ship interactions and all of that. But uh, no, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a good time to sort of take a step back and and think about it again. What we do and everything, we try to like you know analyze things and like see what's good. But like at the same time, taking that step back to like really analyze the past six months of what has happened. You know, I would be shocked if Phantoms don't get some kind of nerf some way or another. Like, really, is there a better list out there than Quad Phantoms right now? Not not according to the data. Like you got Quad Phantoms and Beef, right? Like that's that's those are the lists. Um, it's obviously the kind of thing though we're like. You know, it's there's there's other good things in the game. They're just not at that tier, right? Like if if you were to say what is the S tier imperialist, it would be quad phantoms, right? So you know the the things that are on the nerf list, there, it's actually not that many things that were like are actually identified as like critical you know issues with the game. You have quad phantoms, you have Cassian, you have Braylon, right? You have what Leia maybe to look at. Mm-hmm. Like, what other items are are mandatory, kind of requiring attention? Handbrake Han is still requiring attention based on performance um, alone, right? Like, that's that's all out there on Pink Brain or or List Fortress, whatever. And then after that, you know, you kind of trail off. <laughs> it's hard to identify, you know, much more than that that is, you know, just drastically in need of attention. Um, is, is, did I miss anything? I'm like, what else would you guys identify as needing an, like a significant nerf? Like, if it did, if it doesn't get nerfed Tuesday, it will immediately be top of the pile, you know, Wednesday. <laughs> I think uh, that was a pretty comprehensive list, and that's why I hope that they are very careful about reducing anything, because as we saw with Leia, right? You know, that big reduction there when she was probably fine already completely warps the meta. So I hope they focus more on you know just increasing the boogeyman and staying away from the things that are right on that line you were talking about because if that gets decreased that can change everything did you say five a-wings <laughs> that's wholesome and there's nothing no it's that. not 
I well, so Lulo, right? Like, yeah, I, I missed Lulo in there, which is funny because we spent so much time talking about it. But like, obviously, Lulo um, w- would get some attention. I guess to round out, I, I mean, we've talked to Andrew about this in the past, but I'll ask Brett: What is there anything in particular that you would look for them to increase or decrease from your perspective? I would definitely like them to increase Leia significantly. I I hate that. You know, red maneuvers have no consequences type, uh, you know, mentality. If I'm paying for it with Jedi to get force charges, I feel like that's very different than if just everyone in my list has, you know, a mod right after doing that K turn. Um, So I I really hope Leia goes up significantly. And from a bias perspective, I hope they just raise Proton Torp so no one will ever take him again. Oh, that's get out of town. (laughs) I just hate it. I have, I, I have a question He's for you guys. not the only one. Go ahead, Andrew. So with the action chart levels of white being the easiest, red being the second highest, and purple actions being the most restrictive, not restrictive, but like the highest level of actions, do we really think that purple actions are the highest level, or do you think the red actions are more punishing? Oh, man, out of left field. I... I... Oof. Are more punishing than the red? Yeah. No. 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 I'm just, yeah. What well, do you think? Yeah. I mean, do you think what? What do you think the top level should be? Red or purple? If you're asking me if resistance shuttles should have both a red coordinate and a purple coordinate, no, no, no. I'm not saying like yeah. Well, like all right. So like, but they will have both if you put Leia on there. But what I'm saying is like, do, like, do you think that like purple? Like, so even with the either sprites, like performing a purple booster barrel like to spend that charge like I, I think i'd rather my opponent take the stress than a spend a force charge in my pr- opinion i think that red is far worse than purple you know the restriction on the dial has so many consequences the following turn where okay i spent that force to get that evade okay well i get a force back at the beginning of the turn um you know maybe i had to use two that turn so now i'm one down but i can easily play around that but if i'm stressed i mean that really gives you a lot of information that you can use to punish me. We took like a hard left turn into rules land, which is a place that I, I usually, no, no, I, no, I don't function well. Right. right. <laughs> I, I'm not saying like, really, I'm not trying to like, you know, like anything rules, but like, I mean, the, I think that's, that, that needs to be maybe, I'm not saying the either sprites are priced badly because of that configuration being so high. But I mean, I think a being able to double reposition with no stress is very oppressive. Not just the no stress, but having the one hard. Yeah, and that's where the, that's where the Jedi are just so amazing with the the double reposition and then one harding next turn. You know, it makes them so much better than an interceptor just from that one maneuver they have. Right, and and like I'm not really trying to like you know like say that. Um, like really go into that chart but like it seems like ffg is leaning towards purple actions and i'm looking at fine tune control as being a purple action that that is the highest level of the action where like i feel like it's not that bad even so yeah so i'm, I'm kind of i'm finally caught up to you andrew so like just to boil it down are we, are we getting to force users in general being under undervalued Basically, I mean, like, 
Because that's what force like force charges are purple actions. If that's how you want to extend this, right? It's just a purple calculate that you have every turn. Right. Right. Like that's all it is. You sometimes you spend it to make a card work, but otherwise, when you're not spending it and you have one, you have a purple calculate. Right. So like, I, I, I think you know, you know me. I, I, I've thought from the beginning, from the first time FFG released information about force charges and how force works that they made mistakes. And I'm not the only one. Like I've heard Blair Bonkey talk about this and and I agree with him that the it it functions at additional levels that it shouldn't, right? So the question on the purple action, a purple coordinate. If you fly over a rock, can you purple coordinate or is that a performed action that you lose? You would lose that. Yeah, you, you would lose the, the action. Stuff. Yeah. Right. So like that that's good, right? If you fly into if a ship bumps you, you lose the purple coordinate as well. Is that correct? Yeah. And the purple evade. So I would lobby hard that the purple calculate that every force user has should fall under those same rules. It's not printed with the color purple and a little calculate token on the card, but it's implied in the action economy of the ship. Yeah, that, so, that makes sense. And I, I think that should be true for when you have stress as well. Um, it's subtle, right? It would make people angry because they like their force users and they're super fun. But like, give me a break. It's it's too much. It's like, oh, um, you blocked me. I still basically have a focus token. I'm so tired of seeing that. And I, you know, this is coming from a Kylo player, right? So I, I know I kind of not answering your question directly, sure. but but it's sort of tangentially related. And I I think in general, FFG is sort of looking at force charges as a way to make the game easier for players who are just starting out. Right, and it makes it more fun, no question, because you just sort of stop having to manage, you know, your 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 positioning as much. You have to manage resources, which is questionably difficult. I I wouldn't mind, you know, on Tuesday hearing from FFG that they're going to prioritize, you know, keeping an eye on force. Yeah, um, yeah, but like like I said, I, that's something like you see that they pay the premium for it, but like it just was a thought of mine that like looking at some of this new resistance and whatever whatever the Jedi are called. <laughs> I can't even remember the faction name. But Republic. like it, Yeah, it's it'd be interesting to see with if they do increase this at all because like I feel like they aren't like they, that force action like isn't nearly as oppressive as a red action. Um o- oppressive as in like as as costly or restrictive or constraining, right? Right. Like like because oppressive for us means a lot of different things. Right, right, right. I'm with you. You know, if they did this though, it would be it would very much be them getting ahead of uh, a perceived issue, right? Sure. Because it's not currently a problem. Like it's not currently a widespread, at least one that we're we're able to see clearly, right? Like like if they if they went out and they said we're increasing all force users because it's just too good. I think there'd be a little bit of confusion, <laughs> right? Right. Right. But I mean, I that's probably that's... warranted. Like, not the confusion, the the increase, right? I mean, the, the force is just so powerful. Like, I'm I'm thinking about Fifth Gunner at nine points on Whisper, and all of a sudden now, you know what? I can do that K turn, and I still have basically full mods. I mean, that's worth more than nine points, don't you think? Like, it's it, and that's just one force. When you're dealing with three, I mean. Yes, it's it's kind of a purple calculate, like you were saying, but it's it's even better because you still get your actual action. Yeah, and I, you know, again, this gets back to some of the biases as well because I tend to to 
like I get a little bit triggered in games, you know, when a force user, I do something well to deal with a force using ace or a force ship and don't get the payoff. Um, on the flip side of that, trying to like counterbalance this slightly, I, you know, Jedi can kind of get into a situation where they're just steamrolled into taking damage and they run out all their force charges and they just become an X-Wing. Like that is all true. Um, but it's, it's, it's probably not, you know, like like if you increased Obi if you increased Obi Wan and Anakin both up to like like Anakin to eighty Obi Wan up from seventy it wouldn't be unjustified and it would be entirely because of force no other reason right I mean like the fine tuned control is crazy the fact that they don't need to stress yeah um, but that this also gets back to what we were talking about in extended which is like if we're balancing towards extended like I don't know all bets are kind of off like everything needs all the power it can get. Because <laughs> yeah. some dumb thing's gonna show up, and if you don't, if you just, you know, if you just start nerfing things in kind of like weird ways, uh, you know, maybe the power level is just being able to K turn every turn and having four spots all the time. That's a, that's a good point because I mean, like, it, they don't have that much power in extended right now. Like, I mean, like with the data that we have, like, how many times have they actually have they won any big tournaments? I don't think so. They've done better in extended than I ever would have imagined, right? I'll leave it at that. I mean, sure. people can go look at kind of where where the Jedi archetype ranks, um, but I, I never would have guessed that Republic would would be you know making even you know a couple of cuts in extended. Are they making more than First um, Order? I I'd have to go back and look. I I, I would say definitely in extended. All right, reduce those silencers then for Chris. Um, <laughs> well so <laughs> yeah which also have force charges uh yeah i so th- this has been the definition of a winding conversation but it's exactly right. where we are right like this is why people want point adjustments because it's you know gives them a new problem to actually solve but you know hopefully this was it feels like it was a decent discussion all this is good all right so i think that's going to bring a close to this week's episode i want to thank brett for coming on you know it's always a pleasure to have you on here it's always a pleasure to join you guys. Yeah, so guys, uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. A uh, couple announcements. We have a extended tournament, I believe, on July... Oh, what is it? 13th at Showcase Comics. I will get the information on that posted as soon as I can. And then there is the following weekend is the Top Deck Hyperspace Trial. You actually... I would recommend registering for that prior because they are exactly capping it at 64 people um you actually have to call the store and reserve your spot there so i would definitely try to recommend doing that as soon as you can because it will sell out and they can't they don't have the space to do it beyond 64 people so check that out uh it is in the liberty squadron facebook group so you you can get all the information you need there if you're a fan of the show, check us out on Patreon. Um, I will. I have sent out the other, the last of the Patreons. If you were just joining in the Patreon now, thank you, and I will have those rewards out for you shortly. So check that you out. Mean as thank well. you notes. What's that? You mean thank you notes, not oh, rewards? Oh yes, yes. Well, no. I, I mean, I yeah, no rewards. I mean, the reward is the thank you note. Um, whether there's stuff attached to the thank you note that is beyond my control. Uh, Other than that, I want to thank everyone again for listening and have a great night.